with Lottie Moon and uh, the offering that we take up and you can see the sign in the back of what our goal is. Be reminded. Be reminded of what what you are a part of. Those are <clears throat> those are our stories as Southern Baptists. Um, and we desire to take the gospel to those that have never heard it. And as we heard last night, it's not only about giving and about going overseas, but it's about going across the street. And uh, by the way, if you missed last night, uh, we have um, two of your IMB missionaries here with us. Uh, Robert and Rhonda Pepper are here with us. And uh, they presented last night and talked a little bit about their work. Uh, and it was a wonderful night. Uh, of just listening and hearing about what God's done through their life and uh, the things that they've been able to uh, to be a part of in ministry, and uh, and so um, it, uh, it you missed you missed something special last night. But uh, what what a powerful reminder this week of uh, what what the Lord is doing and and why we celebrate Christmas. It is about the gospel. It is about the great salvation that has been given to us. This morning, if you would go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter one, we're going to start in verse 18. Uh, For some of you that have been here for Sunday school, this is going to be a a familiar passage this morning. And for those of you that were agape fest, some of this sermon is going to be a little bit familiar as well. But I want to talk to you about names and and changing the tone of this morning completely. I I want to tell you a, a quick story, because when I think about names, I always think about some of the emotions that are attached with them. I had a friend of mine. He was uh, a, a great guy. Uh, he's, he's passed away now, but uh, he, he was close. And uh, they, him and his wife were getting ready to have their first child, and they were over, overly excited. It was, it was fantastic. And we were excited for them, as is right when there is a child coming. And uh, the, the, the little girl finally came, and they were in the hospital. And I went to the hospital to go visit my friend and to hold this little girl uh, that we had prayed for, and I'm holding her, and I, I looked up at, at him, and I said, what, 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 what is her name? And he looked at me, and, you know, chest puffs out, and Sophie Ann McSmith. And he was just, he was proud of that name. He loved that name. Uh, he had won the battle of the naming, by the way. And so, yeah, he was, he was all for it. And I, I went, wow, what a, what a beautiful name, Sophie Ann McSmith. And as I sat there, I I, it dawned on me that her initials are Sam, S-A-M. And um, as is kind of my custom here as well, I tend to give nicknames to the kids at church. And so I looked up and I said, oh, Sam. And her mom looked at me and goes, oh, yeah, that would be a good nickname for her. Because everybody at church, everybody at Calvary knew that I nicknamed kids as well. And so she said, oh, that would be a good nickname for her. And I, as I kind of pondered that and looked, I looked over at her dad, my friend, and he is beat red, like red is the chair you're sitting on. And like his fists are clenched, and he's like, and I'm like, what in the world is this guy's problem? He just went from proud dad to like angry person, um, which was not like Kevin at all. And so I pondered that for a little while, and I gave, of course, gave the baby back and, and left. And next Sunday they came, 
and it was her first Sunday, and we were all excited about, you know, Sophie's first, first Sunday at our church, and I went over, and I grabbed her, and I said, oh, Sam, you know, and as soon as I said the word, I saw her father, just the red, shoot through his face all over again. I'm like, what, what is going on? Because mom was all for it. Mom was like, that's perfect. And I was like, what is going on? So, you know, after service, I went and grabbed my friend by the, by the elbow, and I said, dude, what, is there a problem with me calling her Sam? And he goes, yes. And I'm like, Kevin, by the way, was like one of the most mild-mannered people you've ever met. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? And he goes, Sam is the name of my high school girlfriend. And he began to tell me this story of woe and heartbreak about Sam. And there were obviously some unresolved issues there. And I was like, holy cow, okay, I won't call her Sam in front of you. And, and like, it was just, uh, it was amazing. But it was a great reminder that names carry with them great emotions. Like, when you think about a loved one, uh, when you think about a mom or a dad or maybe a grandparent or a child or a grandchild, and you hear their name, like there's excitement with that, right? Like there's memories that come flooding back to your mind. And the same is opposite if you think of an ex, apparently. Like a whole different set of emotions. But, but we hear names, we hear names and they're important to us. They're important to us. In the Bible, names not only held an emotional meaning, but names held a symbolic meaning. They were important. And we see it throughout Scripture as people name their children, that the name was not only uh, to symbolize who that person was, but it was to be a message to all those that would come into contact with that individual later. Which brings us to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. And this is the story of Christ's birth told more from Joseph's point of view than Mary's, as we're used to in Luke. So if you would stand that we may honor the reading of God's word this morning, then we will do that together. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Father, what a name. Not only the name of Jesus by which we are all saved. A reminder that you came and you did this incredible thing. But the name Emmanuel. God with us. Lord, I pray this morning as we ponder over your word and as we 
look at this name, Emmanuel. Lord, that it would be driven deep into our hearts. That it would be driven deep into our hearts that you desire such a deep and meaningful relationship with us. That you have come to rescue your people. That we have a great message. One of hope. One of joy. Father, I pray that we would never forget that. Father, I pray at this moment, Lord, be with your word. Speak it clearly. Speak it as you would have it. Allow our hearts to hear and to apply it. We pray all of this in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You can be seated. This name, Emmanuel, this name, Emmanuel, is something else. First, the name Emmanuel is linked to a promise fulfilled. It's linked to a promise fulfilled. In Isaiah chapter 7, as many of you know from Sunday school, but uh, in Isaiah chapter 7, we see Isaiah giving a prophecy to one of the kings of Judah. And he is telling him of an incoming invasion. He's telling him of the woe and the destruction that is to come. And he tells him that there's going to be a sign, a, a seal on this, and he tells him that there is going to be a virgin who gives birth to a child, and his name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. And many scholars believe that this sign would have taken place in the time of Isaiah, but all of us agree that there was a, a true fulfillment of this prophecy here in Matthew. The completion of what Isaiah spoke hundreds of years beforehand finds itself in a manger with a couple who is poor, with a young lady and her, at that time, or what was in her fiancé and then husband, who must have had so many questions about what was happening and what was going on and now both of them have been visited by angels and told of the Savior that Mary was carrying. And that name, Emmanuel, would have stirred up great emotions. And we're going to talk more about that here in a little bit. But this was a promise that God had made and he had kept it. It had taken longer than others probably would have expected it. It had taken longer, certainly, than the nation of Israel maybe would have liked. But in God's perfect timing and in his perfect will, Emmanuel was here. God with us. Not only was it a promise fulfilled, but it was a mark of a dawn, of the dawn of peace between God and man. You see, when we read in Genesis, what we see is that God desired a relationship, but man broke that, man rebelled and sinned, and that sin was passed on to all of humanity. And in the Old Testament, what we see over and over again is this, this constant strife as man continues to walk away in, from God and his own sin towards his own judgment and God continually tries to call them back and and desires but all, God also gives great judgment in that time and and we see it throughout the Old Testament but here at the beginning of the Gospels with this 
child that is born, Emmanuel, we see the opportunity for something different. No longer are we condemned under the law, but now we find freedom in the gospel. We find no longer fear, but we find a relationship. It's a powerful thing, this gift that we have been given. That now man can come before God in the, with the righteousness, righteousness of Christ pouring over us through his blood. Now, no longer, when we accept the gospel, no longer does God look upon us and see a sinner, but rather he sees someone who has been cleansed. And that brings us together with him. We see a promise fulfilled. We see peace between God and man. But also, I want us to understand, we need to understand this morning that if Jesus is not Emmanuel, then he cannot be Jesus. The name Jesus means God saves. And here the angel tells Joseph that Jesus, this baby, will be the one that uh, saves his people. There in verse 21, for he will save his people from their sins. But if Jesus is to do that, then he must be Emmanuel. He must be God with us. This is a basic tenet. This is a basic point of all of Christianity. This is where the the Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witness get it wrong. Jesus was God. 100%. He was also 100% man. And if that is not true, if he is not 100% God, then his death on the cross is insufficient to cover the sins of humanity. So if he is not Emmanuel, if he is not God incarnate, then he cannot truly be Jesus. He cannot truly be the one who saves. Praise the Lord for Emmanuel. Praise the Lord that God is with us, that God came, that He stepped out of all of eternity to put on flesh, to live a perfect life, to die for us. This is why we sing. This is why we celebrate. This is why we remember this time because of this Emmanuel, because of this gift. But it not only has, the name not only has great significance to it, but it also had meaning To those that were there. It had meaning in Isaiah's time. As Isaiah proclaimed to the people this prophecy. That there was destruction coming. That Judah would be overran because of its faithlessness. I'll get it there. At the same time there was a sign. A child. Emmanuel, God with us. Hope for a people about to be destroyed. Hope for a people about to be destroyed. Israel at this time and, and Judah, the divided, the divided nation, they were surrounded by enemies. And Isaiah is there proclaiming to them, this is judgment. This is not going to end well. Jeremiah would say the same. They would go through the destruction of their homeland. They would go into exile. 
And yet, with them was this prophecy, Emmanuel. God with us. And they looked forward to it. They longed for the Savior, the Messiah. Not only did the people of Isaiah's time see this, but as Joseph must have heard this proclamation from the angel, he must, his heart must have been overwhelmed by emotions and by thoughts and questions because for them, not only was it a hope for Israel that was about to be destroyed, but for Joseph, it was hope for a people that had been oppressed. It was hope for a people that had been oppressed. From the time of Isaiah's prophecy, they had gone through the exile to Babylon. They had returned. But even after that return, most of their existence as a nation from that point on had not been one marked by their own freedom to do as they wish, but they had been under Persia, they had been under Greece, and now in Joseph and Mary's time, they find themselves under the rule of Rome. It was a time of some economic difficulty. It was a time of, in many ways, fear of Rome, of what Rome would do, and they didn't want to upset that powerful nation and that powerful army for fear that they would come and, and do more destruction or, or do worse. It was a time of difficulty, and yet in the midst of that, Joseph hears this message of salvation, and he is reminded of the promise in Isaiah that God is with us, and that that time was here. Now, it wouldn't look like many people had hoped. The people of Israel had hoped for a Messiah, a Savior that would free them, a king like King David that would make them a great nation again, that would make them the the envy of all of the world, and that is not what would have happened. That was not the Savior that Jesus came to be. He came to do something much grander. Because not only... Not only did he come to a people that were oppressed because of their situation, because of Rome and such not, but he came to a people that were oppressed because of their sin. And we find the same thing. This name, Emmanuel, God with us, the Savior that comes, comes to a people much like the context that they find themselves. They comes to, this name comes to a people, this Savior comes to a people that are oppressed. They are oppressed by darkness. They are oppressed by sin. Bound for destruction. Bound for judgment. That they cannot rescue for themselves. And yet in the midst of all of this. Emmanuel. God with us. A savior has come. There's also great meaning to us. As we've already talked about. When we look at the name Emmanuel and we think about God with us and and the weight of that, that he came and he dwelt with us, we cannot be helped but be reminded of the desire of God the Father. We cannot help but be reminded of the desire. We see it in Genesis as soon as with the creation that God did not need to create. God had no need. But he had a desire to create and he creates man 
and he desires to have a relationship with him in a special way that he doesn't have with any of the rest of creation. And yet man walks away from that. So what does God do? Does God just shun them? No, he, he creates for them clothing and he offers this, this. And in doing so, he has to kill an animal. And there's the sacrifice and the blood that's symbolized there for the covering of sin. And so he, even in that, he begins to, to show his desire for a relationship with his people. Even a people that are, are rebellious. And as we look through all of the Old Testament, what we see is a, a, a continuous thing where God desires to have a relationship with the people that he has created. He calls Abraham and a people to himself. He has this great relationship with the prophets and with others. And there's this string that we can trace through from Genesis all the way to the Gospels and all the way to Revelation that God had a plan. And that plan included a Savior. And that plan included calling a people to himself. I talked with the ladies um, yesterday. We, we shared a little bit of this message with them about Emmanuel, about God with us. And I asked them the question, have you ever been lonely? Have you ever felt lonely? And I don't, I don't mean there the loneliness that happens when it's just, you're just by yourself and you're bored out of your mind. That, that's not loneliness. Loneliness in its true form, it doesn't matter how many people are around you. There's an emptiness. Loneliness often strikes us in difficult times. Times when we feel alone. And yet, when we come to this time of year, which I know for some is difficult because of the loss of a loved one or the illness of a loved one, we are reminded in the Christmas story that God is with us. We are reminded of Emmanuel that we are never alone if we have our, placed our faith and trust in him. That he continues to walk beside us, to love us, to guide us in the, to greener pastures, to greater places. We see the desire of the Father. We also see the promise of the Spirit in John chapter 16, Jesus is speaking with his disciples right before his crucifixion. And he says to them in 16 verse 4, halfway through verse 4, he says, I do not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. He was Emmanuel with them physically. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things to you. But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When we think about Emmanuel as believers, when we think about God with us, not only should we be reminded of the desire of the Father to have a relationship with us and all that He has done to make that possible, but we should be reminded that the Spirit has now been promised to us that He dwells with us to guide and to direct our path, to walk us through those difficult times, to make the rejoicing that much grander when we see God work. What a great promise that God is with us. We see the desire of Father. We see the promise of the Spirit. And we're reminded of the return of the Son. We're reminded that when Christ left, 
He made a promise to us that he would come back. That someday we would know Emmanuel, not just through the Spirit, but that we would know Emmanuel, God with us in a tangible, real way for all of eternity. It is our assurance. It is what we look forward to. It is our reminder that this is not our home. This is not our final destination. That as we experience difficulties in this place, as we experience and God calls us to uncomfortable things, that all of those things we can put to the side and be reminded that they are temporary, reminded that they are worth it because what lies before us is the kingdom of God. What lies before us is Emmanuel. We should celebrate that. We do celebrate that. It should be reminded to us in our song and in our worship, not only on Sunday mornings, but as we go through our day, as we play Christmas music over our radios, we should be reminded of why we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us. He has come, He has saved us, and He is coming back for us. That deserves an amen. Thank you. (laughs) Amen! What, What a gift. What a gift we have been given in Emmanuel. As we think about those that are in other countries, we saw the video earlier of those who have never heard the name Emmanuel. For those that live in darkness, who think that God is against them, they live in fear of a God that is vengeful. They live in fear of a God that wants to destroy them. They live in fear of a God that desires none of their good. And they have never heard the truth that God has come to dwell with men, that He may have a relationship with them, that He may show His great grace and His great mercy to them. May we proclaim Christmas across the world and may we find in it the true meaning. May we show them the great hope that lies before them. Brothers and sisters, Christmas is fantastic. Not because we gather together with family, though it is fantastic for that reason as well. It is fantastic not just because we receive gifts, though certainly those are fun. It is not fantastic because it brings with it Christmas lights and decorations and all of the beauty and all of the wonder. It is fantastic because Emmanuel, God is with us. It is the theme of all of Matthew. And he comes to the great commandment at the very end of his book. I find this so interesting. In the beginning of his gospel, we see this word, Emmanuel. God is with us. And then we go over to Matthew 28. At the very end of this book, at the very end of the gospel, and Christ is speaking to his disciples and he's he's giving them final things. And he says this, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Emmanuel. May we live in light of that name. May we live in light of what that means. As we go through Christmas, as we go through our lives. Emmanuel, God is with us. I'm going to ask Alan to come back up, and we're, we're going to, as our invitation, we're going to sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel.
we're going to do it a cappella. I know that's way different. Alan um, may not be the most excited person in the room right now, but but may it be, I invite you this morning as we sing this song, as we join our voices together to be reminded that God is with us, to rejoice over that. But maybe this morning there's someone, maybe there's someone here this morning that you don't know what that means. You don't know what it means for God to be with you. You don't know what it means to be forgiven of your sins. And this morning, God's working in your heart. I want to know that. I want to know that peace. I want to know that joy. I want to know that promise of hope and greatness. Then this is your opportunity to come. We would love to talk to you about what that means, what that looks like to know that he is with you. So this morning, I'm going to pray. You can stand, sing with us. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Worship with us this gift that has been given. But if you need to make a, a response, then I pray that you would do that this morning. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you today. And Lord, we are incredibly thankful. We are incredibly thankful for this gift that we have been given. Lord, that you have kept your promise not to abandon us, that you kept your promise to send a Savior that all of the prophecy, all of the things that we see in the Old Testament, that they are fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. And that, that because of that, that now we can know a relationship with you. Now because of that, we can know something deeper, something more meaningful. Now we can know what it means to have hope, true hope for the future. Now we can know what it means to live in satisfaction and fulfillment. Now we can know what it means to to know the creator of all the universe and the lover of our soul. Father, I pray that as we celebrate Christmas this year, as we go out, that we would be reminded of those things and that we would have a desire in our hearts to share them with those that we come into contact with. That it would be a great Christmas of praise of over salvation. We pray this all in your beautiful name.